morning. James, good morning. <laughs> it's good to see you. Good to see you as well. Looking, you. looking back in July, you still got the mustache. July? <laughs> My gosh, the summer is flying by, and I hope everyone uh, who's tuning in today has been enjoying it. Yeah, so, I know I have been, but it has come and gone. Oh, gosh, yes, it certainly has. So through July already, what uh, what in the world did it bring to the uh, markets and portfolios? Well, we can start with the market update if we want to. Let's jump in. But thanks for joining us. Do. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, month of July actually was a good month. And we saw a 3.2% increase in the S&P 500. So these are going to be the top 500 companies here in the US. Probably the best gauge from our perspective of like, what did the broad equity market do? Just because within those 500 companies, you've got things that are growth oriented, growth oriented versus value oriented. So it's just a nice wide scope. So 3.2% to the upside. Here's a detail I want everyone to take away though. The Dow, which is just 30 large industrial stocks, Dow Jones Industrial, actually had a 3.4% gain. Uh, so what you have typically seen this year is growth or those, you know, the NASDAQ type stocks really leading the charge and then S&P too. But now you're starting to get this buy-in and we touched it last month about the broadening out and more participation on the move to the upside. And quite frankly, that's what we need to see mm -hmm. for this move higher to be durable. And it started to occur. It started to occur. So again, to see that uh, those those 30 large, um, you know, the Dow Jones Industrial is more of a value ilk. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a sleepier type of stock. Maybe it's a more mature company, pays a dividend, stuff like that. But everybody's got to be moving in the same direction. Right. for the move to be durable. So that was good. Uh, bonds, unfortunately, did not have as much prosperity in the month of July. Mm -hmm. July. We saw the aggregate bond index, uh, which is just a basket of bonds, flat. It was actually down 0.07, but we can call it flat. Right. We saw some uh, pickup in interest rate volatility, and we had touched last month that we saw that subsiding. Well, you know, the Fed decided that they wanted to Change that a little Change it bit. a little. Yeah. So anyway, again, it was rather flat month for bonds. All right. Yeah. Well, and we also touched in June kind of some of the earnings that were going to be, you know, coming to an end right. or, right. you know, wrapping up that earnings season, at least that yeah. swath of it. So yeah. how did that turn out? Yeah, you closed the quarter um, and, and quite frankly, half the year mm -hmm. at the end of June. And then what you get are companies reporting and saying how they did in that three-month quarter. And then they'll typically give some guidance going forward. And right now where we're at, investors seem to be more focused on the guidance. Mm -hmm. Because through the month of July, we got about half the S&P 500's earnings reports. They weren't great. Uh, we actually saw softish numbers. Probably you have to go back to 2020 to kind of see some of the revenue decline that we saw right. in the S&P 500, somewhere around 7% to the downside. But the guidance that corporate America gave was really what was able to propel stocks higher. So imagine if I report to you what happened in the rear view, but say, but this is working out really well for us and the stock market is called a discounting mechanism. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, it's looking at six to 12 months into the future. So of course the market's gonna wanna know not what's already happened, but what do we anticipate? So I guess we can say not a tremendous earnings season, but the guidance given looks more robust perhaps than was anticipated. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we'll see what the, the latter half of the S&P has to say. And For the rest uh, of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all in all, not a train wreck. Yeah. Well, and that's good considering, yeah. you know, the year that we were coming out of. Yeah. <laughs> and, and avoiding train wrecks has been pretty um, substantial here because earnings train wrecks, economic train wrecks, 
it's all been holding up pretty darn yeah. well. Yeah. And then with this broadening out, it's okay to be a little bit optimistic about where we are, are we we're at. And we've been optimistic about stocks and you know the economy and kind of looking at different things. I think something that we've been touching on for a couple of years, you know, we used to joke that it was a sponsor of the podcast, which was inflation. <laughs> but if we're looking at some new words, maybe to, that we're hearing more often, but not yeah. to us, is really kind of deflation versus disinflation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What I is thought, the difference between that? I thought Jay Powell was the sponsor of <laughs> inflation. Same thing. One and the same. Yeah. So uh, they're two D words. Yeah. Um, and they both kind of touch that inflation word too. But yeah. So disinflation is where the rate of inflation slows down, but you still have positive price movement. Okay. Deflation is when the price of things are dropping. So right now, one of the words that the market was very excited to hear Jay Powell utter was disinflation. Um, and that's a lot better, again, than deflation is a problem in and of itself. Right. You try to kind of avoid that. Now, when you think about what our Fed's dual mandate is, quite frankly, the Fed exists to promote two objectives, full employment and price stability. Full employment, you kind of get that. But let's talk about that price stability. That's truly the inflation control, inflation targeting. Right now, they want a positive rate of inflation, but they want it at 2% mm. year over year. And where we're hovering, we're at about 3%. So they want it to be down. But did you notice that they don't want a, like, a negative 2 print right. because that would be deflation. And that, again, is a problem. That's almost a bigger problem to solve than controlling inflation. So you want to try to avoid that deflation. But disinflation is truly the target. And um, when you look around, I think that the market is definitely acknowledging that perhaps that is what we have. Perhaps we have disinflation and we have it with a robust jobs market. You know, when you look at the consumer, you know, consumer confidence is high. Um, so some of these things would really support that soft landing camp, no landing camp. But, you know, again, you can't drop into that deflation because that gets scary, too. Right. So that's usually when the Fed does too much. They're trying to dial things in with their uh, monetary policy to just slow down that rate of increase. Right. So that's where we're at. But when you hear the two, there is a distinct difference, difference. between the two. So we've felt this market move up yeah. and we see it on our statements. We see it in our reports that maybe we give it to our clients. Yeah. We hear it on the news. But where's it coming from? You know, we talk about earnings. We touch on inflation. But if we look at technical versus fundamentals in this market, yeah. I guess first, Ryan, what's the difference between technical and fundamental? Yeah. And then, then go from there. Yeah. So we're going to build out another difference. Um, you know, when it comes to now, why am I buying a stock? Right. And really, when you buy a stock, what are you buying? You're buying ownership in a company. You truly Stocks are called equities because they represent ownership. Think of the equity in your house. It's the way that I would describe how much of your house do you own. Stocks are referred to as equities because they're ownership in business stakes. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, then now we're on to something. So if I'm going to go buy a business stake, I probably should understand relative to its productivity, how much, you know, how much should I pay to, for yeah. it? So if I, I always like the um, uh, example of a gas station, because we all have them around our uh, neighborhoods and, yeah. and what have you. So if you walk into a gas station and say, I'd like to buy the place, the owner is going to say, how much are you willing to offer? Well, your next question should probably be, well, how profitable 
is this place. If you're wildly profitable, I'll give you a high uh, offer for to buy this place. But if you're barely breaking even, I'll probably pay you just for the real estate. That's a fundamental decision-making process. The fundamental reason that you're going to offer a price is because of the earnings. Because of what you're seeing. There you go. No. So in the market, we can do that. We can do that with what's called a price-to-earnings multiple. And oftentimes, you're looking at forward earnings. Remember, I um, going back to the S&P 500's earnings reports. Everybody's looking at down the road. Well, okay, fine. Let's look at the forward price-to-earnings multiple. That's a fundamental decision as to why you would buy a stock. Now, you can take and totally change gears and say, I don't care. I'm just looking at a chart here. And technical analysis would lead me to see that we're well below the 50-day moving average, the 200-day moving average, and I see a big gap in the chart up here in this price movement. And I can see that the RSI is, you know, very, very low, relatively speaking. I'm going to buy that position just because the chart kind of tells me Based to. on the numbers of a broader view, maybe? Technical okay. analysis. Okay. Now, it's this whole idea of um, I'm not really looking at the fundamentals. I'm just looking at the technicals. Okay. Now, there are people out there that run, have an entire career where they don't ever look at a fundamental. Um, they're just looking at the technicals. And their theory is that the fundamentals are in the technicals. The chart doesn't lie. The chart says everything. Maybe. Maybe. But to think that we see just phenomenal value from a fundamental perspective in the market, you're going to really have to argue that case for me. Not saying that that means that there's something broken here, right. but truly it's like buying the kid bigger shoes to have them grow into them. Yeah. I mean, and that kid's feet better grow. It's a fundamental side. Technical side, my goodness, we were so negative coming into the year. It just technically driven market analysis would say you're probably due for a good bounce. So then if we take a step back, mm -hmm. we look at those two different parts of the market or views or research. Right. What do we think is driving the market so far? Yeah, well, I, you know, it's got to be a little bit of both because it always is. Mm -hmm. But I would just say that the pain trade mm -hmm. has been to the upside. I don't want to pour cold water on this market <laughs> because, I mean, truly, it could keep going and this could be something, you know, honestly, that what nobody's looking for is oftentimes what happens. Yeah. The market is exists to make the most amount of People feel silly. Yeah. But when you truly like peel back the layers of the onion and say, okay, is this stock a tremendous fundamental value? It's really hard to state that case. There are parts of the market. So for instance, look at the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. It's got, and this would be as of, you know, as of today, basically, 19.6 times forward earnings. That is, so we're paying 19.6 times next year's earnings on the S&P 500. Historically speaking, that would be rich. But then if you say, okay, but yeah, but what about some of the components of the S&P 500? Maybe you would want to do an equal weight S&P 500 and go more towards the smaller companies. All of a sudden, that, that forward PE goes down. So there are parts of the market that offer a little bit of fundamental value there. But we just want to be careful. Right. And when you see interest rates elevated, so keep your eye on the 10-year breaking above 4%. When the interest rate on the 10-year Treasury bond goes above 4%, it's really hard to pay that type of premium. Looking ahead. And why is that? Because somebody goes, well, my goodness, I could just park my money here mm -hmm. and be well compensated. Yeah. 
So anyway, that's I, I'll, I'll stop there because well, I can keep going. But that actually goes into kind of our next topic. So we're looking at all of these right. parts. Oh, yeah. And that gets into the portfolio construction that yeah. we're looking at all the time. Yeah, yeah. So and the Bruce Lee saying is you've got to be like water. Right. You have to be like water when it comes to building portfolios. You have to have an open mind. Mm -hmm. You cannot be so convinced, convicted that you're not willing to listen to other alternatives. And that's what's so critical right here. So I'll give you, for instance, what do we do in this environment where it doesn't seem like there's tremendous fundamental value out there? Seems like there's, uh, you know, lot of individuals willing to take a risk and things like that. What you have to watch for is momentum. And you have to watch for um, those technicals. Because if there's some blue sky below, because there's not tremendous fundamental support, you've really got to make sure that that momentum is being tracked in the market. And so, as you know, we run a weekly screen and then we break that down to daily screens on the different components of portfolios. And then our job is to be so open-minded and so focused on opportunity. And all, I mean, opportunity isn't always making money. It's just not taking silly risks. Yes, unnecessary. Right. And taking the right risks. Getting paid properly for those risks. Bingo. So that's really how you've got to be so focused on um, being willing to adapt mm -hmm. in this environment. Willing to adapt is what your portfolio needs to be constructed on right now. And what are we doing? We're there. We're willing to adapt. No. Well, Ryan, as we look ahead, yeah. you know, looking at numbers, the Fed, JPA, all these different factors, you know, what are we thinking about for August? Yeah, for the month of August. Yeah, yeah. August yeah. Well, okay, so in the summer months, you tend to have less volume in the markets. So what that means is I just said that when you buy a stock, you own a business, right? Yeah. Well, the stock market's just a big auction for mm -hmm. those businesses you own. Well, imagine if you had an auction and two people showed up to your auction. Well, okay, fine. But imagine if 10,000 people showed up to your auction. You're going to have a much more efficient price discovery mechanism to really get to the bottom of what, fundamentally speaking, where should this market perhaps Things are be. Worth. So in the summer months, you tend to find volume dry up. Why? Because everybody wants to go and take their vacations, things like mm -hmm. that. But once you start, like, so August will start to drive a little bit more of that volume pickup, certainly after Labor Day and so on and so forth. So I do see some of the things that are driving this market um, starting to come more into focus through the month of August. You might experience a little bit more volatility pickup in that environment. As things have been meandering through the summer, you're going to start to get a little bit more pickup there. So what do I think looking ahead that we're going to encounter in the month of August and probably September? Uh, just more volatility, mm -hmm. more volatility. So buckle up um, in, enjoy the fact that we've we've seen a breathe higher. Yeah. I think if anybody out there uh, ever questioned whether the market could go back up, this is your answer. Yeah. You know, oftentimes history looks rather similar. Yeah. You know, think about this. If I told you we bought something today for $100 and two years from now we could sell it for 101 not the most tremendous return or anything, but, you know, somebody would do pretty well if they hung on to that. Yeah. But what if I then told you, yeah, but it dropped to $70 in between those two years? Well, now I really need to know what did you do? Mm -hmm. what, did you what did your emotions drive you to do? What did you do? Because that matters so much and you have to focus on that long term. So we'll buckle up for any volatility. This is the environment that you would catch it in. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back to report in August, sir. We'll be on top of it in between. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you next month.